Bienvenue, déjà vu. This is take two. We just had the the machine crap out, but welcome to the Armist Inquisition episode 298 on Sunday, the 1st of October 2023. I'm Phil and I'm incredibly stressed. (laughs) I'm Matt and I'm not stressed. (laughs) And we're joined tonight by Robbie Marks, artist, podcaster, and space time pirate. Hiya, Robbie. Thanks for sticking (laughs) around for 20 minutes. (laughs) No, that's fine. That's fine. So, how are you, Robbie? <laughs> nice to see you for yeah, the first time. Just relaxing, you know. Yeah. Don't you just hate it when technology goes wrong? The archons. Is mm. that who's who's fucking with me? Yeah, the technology, the ghost in the machine. Mm. You gotta wonder. Do you do um, digital art, Robbie? Yeah, um, pretty much every. Well, not everything. I try to paint and draw as much as I can. Um, but a lot of times I'm building stuff for press, so I have to build it for screen printing. So I'll essentially build the layers depending on if it's for a shirt or a, a poster or you know whatever uh, the need is. Are you familiar with the GIMP? I use something called the oh, GIMP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, are you able to save those? That's the thing because I tr- I played with GIMP a number of years ago and I was not able to. You could only screenshot stuff. No, you, you could can, never save it. Yeah, you can save it now and you can convert it as well to PDF. Uh, or... Oh, we're old hands, aren't we? I mean, <laughs> well, we've got at least yeah. how many hours of GIMP experience do we have between us? Oh, well, you've probably done like Ten? Upward, upward, <laughs> <laughs> uh, upwards of 100 hours. I probably did 20 hours and produced two awful uh, things, basically, from it. Yeah, I'm a total Luddite when it comes to computers. I'm not into them at all, Robbie. So mm. I feel quite yeah, um, so, happy with how I've progressed so far with the GIMP. Yeah. Um, now, the GIMP is actually modeled after Photoshop. Yeah. And right. um, I've been in Photoshop since, like, the year it was released. Um, and you used to be able to buy it outright. Now it's a subscription service. It's uh, mm. I don't know. Everybody I know that's in the industry is a little... Uh, um, peeved about the constant, you know, um, pull from your bank account. Funny how things so, are going like that, isn't it? Everything's moving to subscription. Everything. Yeah. Like uh, Microsoft yeah. Office. I know, is a yeah. subscription. The 365 thing. Yeah. yeah, it's wild. Yeah, they they want uh, you as a customer. Mm. They don't want you, you know, the whole you own nothing and, and be happy <laughs> me of the uh, current communist push you know yeah well there's a web article years ago talking about how you'll rent a spatula man it's like you won't even buy a spatula if you need a spatula this little drone will come and you'll rent it for the day for 50 50 credits you know yeah unless unless you've been talking bad on social media then they're not even gonna allow you to you have to use your fingers to flip your eggs (laughs) that's Uh, what i do anyway i'd be fine You'd be yes. fine. Yeah, yeah. Not flip an egg with your fingers. No, you no. filthy Scythian. Uh, right, okay. Gosh. Just me. No. Just me. Are you into history, Robbie? Yeah, I'm a big history buff. 
Um, I pretty much, you know, um, basically just sit here in the country and make art and read books, old books, ancient books, um, modern books. Um, but I, I read a lot of ancient history. Yeah. How much I, um, I'm a big history fan. I love history, particularly ancient history. And, um, I read a book, um, it was recommended to me by um, Kojak, um, Jack Allen, Kojak podcast. And it was called, I think it was called The Phantom Dark Ages. And it was this sort of uh, false history or phantom history hypothesis. Yep. Have you, are you familiar with that? I think that goes into the whole Anatoly Flamenco, I think is his name. That basically he's like an astrophysicist that went through and looked at all the moon cycles and tried to line them up with the events historically and basically came to determine that there's about an 800 year period where they basically fabricated the history to write certain bloodlines out and other bloodlines in something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, it was something to do with the French dynasties. There was the, the Carolingian and the Merovingian. It was around about this time. According to this book, I don't know if it's right or not, but it was something. And there was a big thing about the year 1000 at the time. There was this, um, they used to call it, well, they, still, they call it millenarianism, where there's this sort of theory of the end times. We had it with the year 2000. And there was a similar, oh, yeah. similar process with the year 1000 that this was going to be, you know, like the second coming or... And whatnot, and I think that was maybe used as an excuse uh, why why this piece of history was sort of uh, shrunk, oh, mm. you know, uh, sort of messing with the timeline for political expedience at that oh, moment, yeah. you know, to take advantage of this millenarianism, millenarianism. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you look at that, I mean, you see that as a constant in. Um, especially fundamental po- fundamentalist politics, um, you know, but it dates back to uh, Zoroaster and Zoroastrianism and the idea of um, Zoroaster, you know, he said there was a beginning and there would be an end. And he's the one that, you know, basically laid out this dialectic of end times. And, you know, if there was a beginning, there has to be an end and that kind of, uh, process through into Judaism, into the 6,000-year calendar, into Christianity and all the modern machinations of the American, um, you know, support of Israel. I mean, how long-standing is that sort of support? How far back does it go? Yeah, when you look at Rockefeller and the introduction of, like, a good day's work into the American you know, um, mindset in regard to creating good factory workers. Um, I think that there was uh, also a push at that time when you look at uh, the Rothschilds going or Rothschilds going in and basically, you know, um, basically buying the land and setting up the state of Israel. And there's a whole, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting when you get into all that, that information. Um, you mentioned like the good day's work. It kind of reminds me of the, the school system as well because Jordan mm. Peterson keeps talking about does, this. Do you, have you noticed this as well? About yeah, this heard. Prussian system that's been oh, yeah. inherited. Like, are you yeah, familiar so with this, Robbie? Oh, yeah. So if you go back into um, after the 30-year war, um, basically they had the idea of 
um, they created this a school system where it was essentially school to military pipeline. And um, they kind of, um, at the time, you had um, some of the Calvinists coming in and they were high upstanding. So they instilled all these values of morals into the culture and kind of like, um, you know, um, do your best in all that you can do. And, and kind of that kind of tied in with the school system, which created this great military system that, um, you know, the Kaiser um, basically took hold of, of the reins. And um, then when you had, what was it? Um, Dewey and Mann um, here in the United States, um, they were working for the Department of Education at the time, and they actually went over to Prussia and um, they saw the system and how everyone was so astute and dedicated and how that translated into the military. Um, and they had, there was a uh, scientist um, over there called Wundt. And he had the first uh, model laboratory classroom. And um, he essentially was like literally um, keeping track of the kids' breaths, keeping track of, as far as for anxiety and different factors. And they were like, yeah, oh yeah, scientifically tuning this mechanism um, of the model classroom um, that uh, Dewey and Mann brought back um, with the Prussian education system at the time. Um, and then once it got to America, they kind of overlaid the um, Skinner box, which was B.F. Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's the idea of if you're within that classroom environment, you always have this overarching authority, um, which basically um, leads to uh, intergenerationally leads to the idea of appeal to authority. So no one has a sense of their own sovereignty. And essentially, they're always looking to the experts or, you know, the uh, the mediators of the uh, information to know what is right or what is wrong, which I think is what led in a lot of cases to uh, the malinformation that everyone took in through mass media in regard to the you know, pandemic. Yeah. I mean, when I, I, I wasn't really familiar with this Prussian school, uh, uh, Genesis. I, I always was, it was always linked to me to the sort of Victorian era and industrial revolution and factory mm. workers, you know, like to talk about the school mm. bell being the factory bell, you know, it's dinner break, dinner or break time or whatever. And uh, uniforms, you wear school uniforms because it's, it's, it's squashing your individuality. It's about conforming, being part of, a, you know, a collective. Um, the school, one of the schools, one of my kids goes to, um, the, their motto is, you're one of ours. Mm. Which is... Yeah, well, and my daughter... <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. You're mine. <laughs> Don't listen to that. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter, uh, she works for Starbucks right now while she's going to college, and they don't call them employees. They call them, um, what's the word? Com comrades. <laughs> yes. you know, it's something where it's an inclusive, psychologically inclusive term where they mm. feel like they're part of, you know, the, the corporation itself. Um, but that, that uh, school to military pipeline that was in Prussia, once it got brought over here, um, and they've been downgrading the military systematically. Um, but at the same time, that became the, the school to prison pipeline now here in the United States. Um, it's, uh, yeah, quite the phenomenon. 
Mm. There's uh, some weirdness with that Starbucks logo as well, isn't it? A Medusa or what's oh, that? Yeah. The demon well, with the, the tentacles for legs. Yeah, it's a Skyla is the name of that entity. And it basically uh, is holding, it's, it's, two, it's a two-finned mermaid, and she's <sighs> holding her herself, you know, spread eagle, basically tempting the sailors, you know. And it's, uh, yeah, and when you get into a lot of, uh, well, you were talking about the Merovingians and the Carovingians. Um, the Carovingians came in and took over the Merovingians um, as a uh, as a actor for the, the state of Rome or the, you know, the church um, at the time. And um, essentially those Merovingians, when you trace them back, um, a lot of people relate them to the line of Jesus, yeah. um, you know, and, but if you go back and you follow it back, um, as far as the long hair, they believe their long hair, like were antennas and like, you know, they could pick up information from the, you but the original Merovingian, um, essentially a entity, um, crawled out of the sea with like, um, you know, but I think that was, octop- it was more octopus, but it was uh, half human, half sea entity, and and you know they bred with that, and that was what produced the line of the Merovingian kings. Uh, that sounds like fish people, like Oannes, yeah, or like uh, the Dagon. Or... The, sorry, the Dagon. Oh right, well, that's in Africa, isn't it? Is that the the yeah. the tribe who who they noticed that Sirius, or according to their folklore, their mythology, Sirius was yeah. is a binary system. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't confirmed until modern optics were able to. Right. Is that right. right? And they knew about Sirius B and Sirius C long before modern optics were involved, you know. So, yeah. and that's where you get the whole Syrian, you know, kind of alien kind of uh, mythos theme kind of that runs through some of the uh, UFO, you know, ufology. Do you think um, our system might be a binary? Because it seems that. The more they look at different systems, um, ours is an outlier in that it isn't a binary as far as we know. Do you think it could be one or maybe it was in the past? Well, I think that uh, Sirius is actually um, the binary star that we kind of swing around. And um, when you even going back to uh, Egypt, um, when they talked about Set and the black sun or the sun behind the sun, um, there's some relation to um, one of the stars that's in Sirius um, being that, you know, essentially set himself. So, yeah, it, it's a long, like, myth- mythological kind of thing that's kind of woven through history, you know. Yeah, the, the Egyptians call, uh, called it the Sothic cycle, or we call it the Sothic cycle that the uh, yeah. Egyptians worship, well, not worship, but they revered the, the Sirius the rising the of series, series. and uh, I think it coincided with the Nile flooding. Maybe that was part of the right. the reason for right. it. But yeah, I, I I had this thought that Sirius could be our binary, and I posted this in the Brothers Brothers of the Serpent Discord channel and got fucking oh. laughed out of there. <laughs> you fucking yeah. idiot! Yeah, yeah. But, but the jokes on them. My Discord um, account got terminated. <laughs> so you know, you know, it's one of them, isn't it? Never mind. Yeah. They keep just shutting us off everywhere we go. Uh, Have you had any issues with censorship, Robbie? Because, I mean, oh, you do yeah. your own podcasts and, and stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, back, uh, 
if you want to go back in the the early 2000s, uh, it was right after 9-11. Um, I used to have a show or a, a website called News of the Day. And I basically would compile, kind of like the Drudge Report, essentially. And I would compile stories and pair them together. And I had um, Bob, the uh, the guy that they worship there in the Discordians. And I had him in different outfits with different hats and different pipes and looking like a pirate and looking like he's in the Caribbean. And I would, like, basically have the different Bobs with all the different stories tied together. And it got to the point I was getting upwards of 100, 120,000 hits a day on that. Wow. And uh, I woke up one morning and they had hacked it and put an Al Qaeda training site on it. So, you know, Whoa. so I kind of shut, I kind of shut that down. <laughs> and uh, but I've had various things, you know. Uh, my friend, a couple of my friends, they're like, man, back when you were on uh, what was it, uh, the old MySpace days, you know. <laughs> That, that was like some outlandish shit going around back then. So, you know, but I think those were, I think when you look at these, um, these message boards that kind of come through DARPA and kind of, uh, I think that they're testing grounds almost for, um, you know, to see who's going to respond, reply, propagate, um, just to kind of uh, pigeonhole different people into different, um, you know, status um, to, to basically, you know, you've heard about the whole system of, you know, red, yellow, and green, and you're either marked, you know, it's like uh, during COVID, um, you know, I've got, I, I don't know, I have like half a thousand followers on, on Twitter. And when I would post stuff, um, I would get one or two views, you know, yeah. and then that kind of went up for a while. And then it, now it's back down. I only get like 10 or 11 views with, over, you know, I've got like 600 followers now, but it's just like, what, what's the, um, world economic forum, the girl there that Elon Musk brought in, you know, and she's like, um, freedom of speech, but also freedom of reach. So you yeah. can say whatever you want, but it's whether or not they're going to allow it to propagate through the machinations of the system, you know? Yeah, I would I would happily give up social media tomorrow if I didn't have this podcast. Mm -hmm. I would have no social media presence whatsoever. I mean, it's yeah. different for you because you, you're parroting your wares and, you you know, you well, want to use it's – a, it's a tool, isn't it, for, for driving, oh, yeah. getting people to see well, your stuff? So on Instagram, um, when I would post a story before COVID, um, I was getting upwards four to 600 views on the story a day. And then when COVID hit, um, it went down to like 15 to 25. Mm. So I noticed a huge difference there. Um, and I think this is just because, um, you know, as far as free speech, you know, um, <laughs> I believe that, that it should be uninhibited on all levels. So, you know, I'm consistently probably saying stuff that's frowned upon as far as that freedom of reach, you know. And so uh, my wife even says that uh, she doesn't see anything I post. Um, if she wants to see it, she has to go to my page to look at it. It's to, it's to that point, you know. Adam Curry says that about his wife. His wife has to go on there. Uh... See, search out, search out his, treat, his tweets. Yeah, the yeah. algorithm just will not share it. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever, ever thought about um, setting up a new page and seeing if, um, you know, 
almost having like a, you know, like a personal presence, yeah. and then yeah. a second page where you sort of play by the rules and try and right, keep it right. strictly, you know. So Instagram, I, I do a lot of more feel good kind of stuff, uh, sharing what's going on personally. Um, Facebook, I only share art, and then on Twitter, you know, I, I talk. Um, publicly and politically. Um, so I kind of already do that. Right. Um, but I, I wonder if I set up like a completely, if I just went and got a burner phone and set up a completely new anonymous kind of page, like if it would make a difference, you know? Yeah, because um, I mean, you don't know if they're even tracking your IPs and stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, a friend of mine, he got, he was in Facebook jail all the time and getting booted off Twitter all the time. And, um, so he basically removed his accounts and, um, he recently got married and his wife changed her last name to his last name and they put her in Facebook jail. Yeah. Wow. We out here even posting anything. Right. (laughs) Oh my God. So, you, you know, you got to wonder, I mean, and we know that, that all this uh, stuff as far as from its beginning was essentially set up by the military industrial complex, you know, and you got, you have, what was it, uh, um, the, the, the program that they stopped the day before they instituted Facebook, you know, and it's like now you have uh, Zuckerberg and they're putting all these uh, virtual glasses out that they want you to wear around. They're going to film things. So it's kind of like uh, back when Pokemon Go, they were trying to get everybody to go to the, the Baptist church there that has all the, uh, the you know, people that are causing problems. And like one of the, the characters that you could get there if you went there was one of the uh, higher rated characters. So it's like it's like they're directing people into places where they can get, you know, video intel. And then you have five eyes and it's just uh, and what was it? Canada just announced that every podcaster now has to register. You know, so they're there and it's only state uh, approved media sources that are going to be allowed now in Canada. I was I was reading about this announcement. Um, Now, as far as I understand it, I could be completely wrong. There's a revenue cut off. So I think it's only it's not podcasts. It's it's um, I think it's like streaming businesses that have a certain amount of revenue. But what we've seen mm-hmm. in the last few years is a lot of these networks coming along and buying up podcasts, like Spotify mm-hmm. did with uh, JRE. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And there are these sort of podcast houses that come in and sweep up independent mm-hmm. shows and put them under their umbrella. So they might be... thing is, <coughs> show me a podcast that makes money. <laughs> you know, other than, like, no agenda. Mm-hmm. They obviously make yeah. money. I, I guess in those trigonometry boys do all right through advertising and sponsorship mm-hmm. and whatnot. They obviously yeah. have, they have employees, don't they? So they must be making some money. But I mean, yeah. the vast majority. I think we, I think we will fly under the radar. You and you and us, Robbie, mm-hmm. um, because we're independent, and I, I don't think they can stop RSS technically. I think, right, right. And, I, and I think people will find ways around it, mm-hmm. even if it well, means. Now- Sorry. Oh, I was going to say now with um, Adam Curry and, you know, podcasting 2.0 and yeah, they're putting some of it on the blockchain. So it's unalterable and, you know, um, it's, uh, 
I, I would like to think that the fire in the minds of men will outdo anything that they can bring at us. It's like, what was it over in Africa? Um, they just had to stop using their CBDC because everybody, nobody was using it and they were all using yams and matchsticks for money, like wampum, you know? Wow. So it, that one, I think it, uh, was it Nigeria? I think it might be Nigeria. They just dropped their CBDC because they couldn't get the, the population to use it. So, you know, I think that these machina, and it's like, um, you know, you go back into the Hindu texts and they talk about as the system increases in complexity, so do the problems of the system increase in complexity. And that's why any system that's built to supersede the natural world or the natural system can do nothing but fail. You know? Tell me about it. That's what's happened to our podcast tonight. Um, it's, got, <laughs> it's been getting more and more complex over the last, yeah. well, six years. Yeah. To the point yeah. where it's now just regularly failing. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> no, we're going to have to go back to yeah. basics. We're going to have to do go back to audio only. Mm. You know, well, I mean, we do that anyway, but. I was just going to say we've got a question, haven't we? Oh, go on. Have you found it? I found a question. a question from Sam. From Sam, yeah. He says, um, I would be interested in his opinion on how art represents the spiritual state of a civilian. Civilization. Uh, is that what I was supposed to say? Yeah, start again. <laughs> oh, civilization. Oh, yeah. civilization. The art we have today is void of any spirituality or sacred energies. Yeah. And yeah. that represents the current state of society worldwide. I believe that's correct. And I think that's been a longstanding um, thing that they've been putting in place. Um, when you go back and you look at the old masters and like, you know, you read Goethe and look at the, like the etchings that are in the old books from the 1800s and the 1700s and going back to, you know, even uh, Michelangelo and Raphael, as far as the installation of beauty and, and the, the divine, um, subliminal like uh, machinations that supersede reality. Um, you know, it's always been this idea of, of timeless beauty within the spectrum of art. Um, but then you look at um, after World War II and the machinations of the OSS and the CIA and basically going in and infiltrating um, the artistic movements, you know, going back wow. into Dadaism and surrealism and looking at how um, like Kandinsky, not Kandinsky, who was it? The, the drunk there that would just dump paint on the uh, Pollock. Pollock, um, yeah. Yeah, and there, there's, you know... Um, it's, it's pretty much an open secret now at this point being declassified that, that you know, intelligence agencies went in and made the art um, more ugly, um, brought in the ideas of cubism. Um, you know, as far as the first piece of Dada art um, being taken the, the toilet urinal and turning it on its side and he just signed his name on it. You know, that I'm, I'm sorry, but that's, you know, it's, he didn't do anything to participate in the active force, you know, of creation, you know, it's so they've, they've consistent and, and as they can debase the art 
and debase the music. And it goes back to Plato and talking about the idea of changing just, you know, the chord that the music is played in can basically bring down an entire society. So, you know, the, these are uh, tool you know, tools that are in the toolbox of, of the, uh, the, the people that are, basically governing you know government is is to to govern or to steer and mente is the mind so you know the government that's their and if they do it correctly then you can have a beautiful and prosperous you know um culture um but when when uh materialism and when the machinations of mammon or money basically supersede um you know and and then you have this uh mysterious uh death cult that kind of underlies the whole blackmail system you know it gets really into some dark machinations as far as the slow gradual shifting of the cultural norms you know it's uh it's funny we're talking about this um i've just started this re reading this book uh, the Decline of the West by Oswald Spengler. Oh, yeah, book. I read that. You've read it, uh, oh, yeah. Cracky. It's it's uh, it's it's hard, but it's wild. It's not like anything I've ever read before. Uh, yeah. But he talks about the difference between culture and civilization, and mm. he makes the analogy with Greece and Rome, like quite like you were saying just then. Whereas whereas Gre ancient Greece was a culture. <laughs> which evolved or devolved into a civilization, which was Rome, which was imperialism, capitalism. Right. Everything was about money. The art was shallow, bread, bread and circuses. And you think, it's just like today, man. We've, oh, gone, yeah. we've gone from the Renaissance and Michelangelo to um, The Only Way is Essex and Big Brother on TV and Taylor Swift and Tracy Emin. Is it Tracy yeah. Emin, the modern artist? I was just thinking about the messy bed here. Yeah. He messed up her bed and he called it art. But there yeah. are there are there are holdouts though, aren't there? People who want mm. who are trying to do things right. There are. There are. Um there are people that are uh you know intrinsically interested in um the beauty that the past has to offer. Um and the more you go in and read history, um, the more you realize that um once empire takes control, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, plastic machinations. It's just all, um, you know, um, yeah. And, and, and that slowly leads to the degradation and the downfall. And, and I think that the artist in society, honestly, is probably one of the key factors, um, that, that, well, and it's like, uh, what was it? with Obama there and they got uh, Shepard Ferry, you know, to, to basically do Obama's poster. And they kind of, uh, I mean, from what I understand, he didn't make a lot off that, but they kind of took his style and, you know, had him do the Obama poster and Shepard Ferry says, then they kind of just left him to the wind, you know, and it's, it's, and Shepard Ferry, now he's determined to um, use his art to create more positive because uh, that style in itself, when you look at it, it goes back to the, you know, communist um, back in the posters of the time as far as the propaganda posters. And so now he's trying to use that in a positive light, um, protecting the sacred and moving forward to more peaceful means. And um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, politics is, is uh, a beast just devouring itself, you know.
That that, so. that Obama poster, was it the one it said Obama at the bottom and it was like a blue-red, like a negative? Yeah, blue-red, and then I think it said hope at the bottom. Yeah, Hope, that, that was, was it. it. I'm just looking because yeah. in, in the corner of our room here, I've got four posters in that style. One oh. of Plato, one of Marcus Aurelius, one nice. of Genghis Khan, and one of Rick Mail. Oh. Yeah, Rick Mail. He's a comedian. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was ubiquitous, nice. that uh, design, wasn't it, around that time when he got voted in? Yeah. yeah. It was everywhere, wasn't well, it? Images are so powerful, aren't they, Robbie? Mm. Right. They are. They are. And, you know, um, I don't know, a lot of artists, when I was in school, um, a lot of the, because I, I was in school on and off for like, like college on and off for like 10 years, um, I kept just going on Grateful Dead tour and fish tour and <laughs> doing all these things that, you know, I went out to enjoy myself. Um, but I would talk to some of the younger kids coming in and I'd be like, well, you know, why are you going? And, and they would always be like, you know, I want to make a lot of money. And I was like, you're a fool because artists don't make money. I mean, you know, kind of when I went into art, I took I took uh, the ideal that, you know, I was going to be working till the day that I die, you know, to heart. Um, and I will be. Um, I have, you know, I don't have anything in retirement. Basically, my retirement is my stack of prints that I have, you know, that will slowly, you know, be dealt out while I'm still within this mortal coil, you know. Um, but but it's like, um the artist and, and you have those that go into it, you know, seeking fame and fortune. And then you have those that go into it strictly from the aspect of just uh, intrinsically wanting to participate in the creative aspects, you know? Um, so I've kind of, you know, um, everything I've done, I've done on a shoestring and I kind of just, uh, you know, I, I'm, confident in the fact that um life will take care of itself you know as long as as long as i'm you know in a safe place and uh kind of somehow i've been doing this 35 years now you know (laughs) yeah and and as far as the art itself um in certain ways i mean initially i was doing um you know um I was DJing and I was doing like, you know, flyers for the shows I was DJing at. And then I moved into the kind of the music scene and I started doing fine. And then bands started asking me to do art. And um, finally, when I had a kid and I had, you know, bills to pay, I was, you know, I was like, any work I can do, I'm going to do. So that kind of turned me into basically I run, you know, I do work for clients now is mostly what I do on commission. And, um, but ideally I'm also kind of moving outside of that system and I'm, I'm going more into the um, esoteric philosophies and kind of, uh, you know, um, starting to deal more with the aspects of the sublime rather than, you know, just trying to make images, you know, really. Right. So you're trying to incorporate rather than uh, creating work on demand kind of thing. Um, you, you're trying to create for is this for yourself? Create for yourself uh, work that yeah. incorporates the esoteric, right? And basically, I mean, I'm I'm still reliant upon um, commission work. I've got right. jobs booked out now um, into the new year, you know, and I'm just I'm cranking those out 
um, whenever, you know, life will allow. Um, but also, I don't know, did, uh, were you aware that I, uh, finished a book? No. Um, no. So I wrote this book over COVID because over COVID basically I had all my jobs pulled. Um, I lost yeah, like eight jobs in one week and I had zero work. And so I basically, um, sat down and wrote this book about the ancient, uh, pre-biblical character of Nimrod. Oh, wow. One of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but it's, it's called, uh, Nimrod, the first skinwalker. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And I found this thread, um, dealing, you know, getting into the Jewish rabbis and getting into, um, uh, the biblical texts and, um, basically, I found this thread of Nimrod getting a hold of the skin of Adam um, and basically putting it on at the age of 22 and becoming Nimrod the Great. And that's when he ruled over Mesopotamia and basically ruled over what was it, six lands and seven seas. And so I kind of, you know, create the set and setting and then I weave this this narrative through it. Um, so I'm working on the illustration for that now. And the book is at the editor. It's halfway done being edited. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can show you the sketch I'm working on right now. This yeah, is the one let's that see it, yeah. Wow. Oh, right. We've got a bit of Tree of Life, bit of Kabbalah. Oh, Pentagram. Yeah. Nice. Is it a Pentagram, that? Hang on. It's, uh, it's got are, six yeah. sides. Well, within the six Star points. of David, there's a right-down and a right-side-up pentagram. Wow. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. And a bit so, of tree of life me, stuff going on there. Yeah, tree of life. Let me see over here and the splitting of the sexes and kind of, you know, being handed down, you know, on high. Oh yeah. And so the, I'm kind the of alpha also, and the omega up there mm. as well. Oh yeah. The alpha and the omega, you know? Um, so I'm kind of, you know, um, basically, you know, and it's kind of something I've been doing intermittently for years, um, but I'm just realizing that as I get older, um, that I need something. I mean, you figure a lot of the, the concert posters and stuff like that. It's a very kind of niche kind of thing. So you have people, you know, that like I have all these different posters from all these different shows. And a lot of people are like, well, I wasn't at the show, so I have no interest in it, you know? So it's, uh, kind of creating the art, um, without the the tie to any specific again back to creating um timeless beauty is this kind of where i'm working from just uh, going back to nimrod <laughs> yeah. was it was it Nim, was it nimrod who who was involved with the building of the tower of babel yeah and there was actually two nimrods there was nimrod the lesser and nimrod, nimrod the greater um which you <laughs> yeah i know right it gets confusing um but nonetheless <laughs> Nimrod the Greater um, is the younger Nimrod that basically took control over Mesopotamia, um, where and he ruled after the fall of the Tower of Babel, right? But it was Nimrod the Lesser that was actually behind the building of the Tower of Babel. And if you really follow that back and, and tie all the different tie-ins, um, I, I am under the impression that it was Thoth or Tahuti from Egypt, you know, and, and it's kind of, you have one line that goes from Osiris to Horus, which is basically based around kingship. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other machinations of um, Thoth 
and handing that that divine sacred knowledge down, becoming Hermes Trismegistus, and you know, into all the miscellaneous uh, mystery school kind of stuff. What do you um um right? Oh, well, two questions. Do you think that this Nimrod is a historical figure, and if so, when was he about? When was he alive? Yeah, it's interesting because when you start really overlapping all these characters, um, because like Nimrod the Elder ties back in with Thoth or Tahuti, and uh, Thoth was the one that was said to have created um, the writing system. Yeah, um, which also lines up with um, you know um, who do you have um, Inky? Um, you have um, uh, Cadmus coming into Britannia. Um, you have, um, oh, even going back to the fallen angels, and it was uh, the angel Penemu, who was the one that taught sweetness and hotness and the mixing of colors and was the one that taught writing to humankind. So I think there's a vast, you know, multi layering of these characters culturally that kind of, uh, cross-pollinated through many cultures and the mystery schools and how those kind of traveled with the merchants and the uh, warrior class. Yeah, I mean, there must have been an original person, man or a woman, who invented writing. Mm. Um, a lot yeah. of it, uh, I mean, some, I mean, I, I guess like a classical historian would say maybe it was fin- someone from Phoenicia who, mm. who invented the alphabet. Well, some of the oldest uh, proto-Sumerian um, like uh, te- like uh, figures they found um, are actually in uh, the Transylvania region, you know. Oh. So, yeah, it's it's the the whole writing and well, and then you even have um, as far as the pillars of Lamech, um, where they were, you know, using the language of the angels. Um, and basically wrote down the seven sacred sciences, you know, pre-flood that kind of uh, were dug up after the fact. And uh, what was it they say that after they found it, you know, Babylon was re-inhabited and the worship of the gods continued, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting little rabbit hole to go down. I absolutely love this uh, biblical stuff, this Old Testament yeah. stuff. I mean, did you, um, as far as researching your book and coming up with your, your Nimrod hypothesis, did you rely on the biblical canon or did you look at the apocryphal texts? Yeah, I looked at um, the biblical canon. I looked at the apocryphal. I went into the the Hebrew rabbis. Um, I went into the Sumerian um the Hindu texts. Um, and I kind of tie a lot of these different stories, you know, as far as the narrative, um, I tie a lot of these characters uh, together and show the similarities and, you know, um, like what was it? The, uh, the, as far as Noah, you know, in the Bible, it says that he was, you know, pure enough to be able to, he was the last of the pure line basically after they wiped out the Nephilim and then he came over and reestablished, you know, civilization. Whereas if you read the Babylonian texts, it says that Noah was actually a, the preserver of the hybrid line 
of of the fallen ones. So you know, and the Babylonians decry him, you know, for planting the first uh, vineyard and um, bringing about the drunkenness that that precipitated. You know, so it's uh, yeah, yeah. When um, well, when's this book gonna be out, and how do I get a signed copy? Yeah, when it comes out, I'll we'll definitely make it happen. Um, basically, it's just a matter of the editor going right. through, and he's got uh, about fifteen chapters left to do on it. And then I'm working on the illustrations and working on a cover for it. Right. Um, yeah, so it's it's you know still. I mean, so far I'm going on four years getting this thing together. Wow. Um, okay. Three years putting it all together, and now we're going on a year since it's been at the editor and I'm, I'm getting the illustrations done. What are you going to do so, uh, for distribution? Are you going to just take care of it yourself? Are you looking to get on Amazon or somewhere like that? Or how will that work? Yeah, that... I'll, I'll have it on Amazon for sure. All right. um, and then I'm also looking at doing an audio book format um, so that that'll be on like audible. And then um, as far as the publishing, I'm self-publishing. Um, it'll just be another piece of art that I have out there, you know, that's, uh, that's with me when I'm going around showing my wares, you know, I can't wait for that. What's uh, mm. what do you reckon the, what sort of size of book do you think is, is it going to be? Yeah, I think the first uh, edition is probably going to be like a pocket size pulp fiction kind of, right. you know, just a pulp paperback, basically yeah. something that's easily, you know, assimilated. And keep the cost so, down as well, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, <laughs> can't wait I, for that. <laughs> I was just thinking, I, I was wondering if you're into Jung at all, Robbie. Carl? Carl. Yeah, I've read a good bit of Jung. Yeah, I was just wondering yeah. if you've re- ever read The Archetypes, you know, that big textbook. Or, um, and I suppose th- what was coming into my mind as you've been talking, you know, and talking about the sublime and all the rest of it is, I suppose, you know, what intrigued me was this the idea of uh, mandalas and and what he used them for and what I suppose what he felt they represented in somebody? Um, I'm just wondering, you know, about your kind of thoughts around that, if you have any, if you're familiar. Yeah, um, as far as the idea of using art um, to center yourself within the subconscious and and the machinations that that bring forth and i mean and especially when you get into jung you're talking about a lot of uh shadow work um and kind of you know drawing on um it well and that, and that goes back to uh to nimrod and and osiris and it was the idea of turning the man on his head you know or joseph campbell um with the uh the monomyth as far as you know um, you you leave where your 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 common like vernacular that you exist within, and you go out into this great void, and you have this experience, and then you bring those lessons back. So it's kind of like uh, you know the idea of of learning from the chaos and kind of uh, letting those lessons bring peace within your yourself. You know. Mm. Um, that's, yeah that's yeah. what he seemed basically was saying wasn't he as part of the archetypes he used it in his therapy as a, a way for people to like you say you know make peace i guess with their unconscious or their unconscious desires the other thing right. i suppose that was i found sort of fascinating about it was how he linked it you know to the collective unconscious and the repeated symbology you know the serpents 
the suns, the stars, you know, the trees, all the rest of it. It just automatically came out of people over and over and over again. And he said yeah. that, he, you know, that they, they didn't sort of see each other's work and all the rest of it, but um, it's quite interesting how that just comes out of people, basically. Right. And you have to almost wonder if there's some sort of a uh, genetic memory of mm. the people as a whole through all the eons and kind of how we have certain imagery. I mean, because, you know, you're talking about the serpent, you're talking about the sun um, or the moon. These things have been like instilled in the minds of humanity through all of our existence within, you know, the turnings of the earth um, realm, you know? Um, so, um, it's kind of like, um, chickens, you know, when they're out, um, milling around the yard, um, and they're like little baby chicks. If a hawk will fly over, they'll immediately go down on their hunches and kind of to hide out because they know instinctively, you know, what the predator is without knowing what the predator is, you know, um, and kind of also gets into the whole monarch project as far as, uh, you know, the Nazis and the idea of how do these monarch butterflies through successive generations migrate back, you know, to the place where their ancestors were born, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely and and the Akashic record. And <laughs> I did hear something. You know, I did hear something about Russian cosmonauts at one point that they, after they sent them um, outside of the magnetosphere of the earth, that they lost all their memories. And when they came back, they were like a blank slate. So there's there's some argument to be made that the magnetosphere of the earth itself is the cohesive cosmological memory of the species. Yeah, Schumann frequency. Once you escape mm. that Schumann frequency, you just you just go uh, it's like men in black getting a <laughs> zip you're getting zoomed in the face. This kind yeah. of reminds me of uh, Rupert Sheldrake's morphic resonance theory. This sort mm. of collect like Jung called it the collective unconscious. Mm. Um he did experiments with mice where there was mice in mazes or rats in different parts yeah. of the world. And once the first rat figured out this maze, other members of this species in different continents would figure out the maze quicker. Yes. It just defies, um, mm. you know, unless you're a space-time pirate, defies yeah. space-time, defies the laws that we call them, although I think it's some bullshit, the sort of <laughs> laws of physics <laughs> that, that we're so yeah. wedded to, and we just cannot. Right. And going back to Spengler again, he was talking about this shit. 150 years ago about these laws that are a product of civilization and uh, and our modern thinking and, and probably our um, scales over our eyes when it comes to uh, understanding this reality or plane that we exist on. Yeah, yeah. Now, have you heard of a spooky action at a distance? Oh, no, what's this? Are you aware of that? No. So Einstein... Um, basically did this experiment with rabbits where he would take the newborn rabbits away from the mother. And then they would have, they initially did it in the next room and they would have the mother rabbit on a video feed and they would jab the baby rabbit with a pin and the mother rabbit would react. 
right? And so they basically took the rabbits further and further away. And, you know, Einstein postulated that, you know, there was this thing, spooky action at a distance, where we were essentially all interconnected um, faster than the speed of light, faster than, than any quantum understanding that we have now. Um, and, and it's just something that's sitting there in, in the books that, you know, some people hear about and some people don't. Yeah, it's like so, quantum, quantum entanglement, isn't it? Well, so, yeah, very much so. Very particle much so. physicists reckon they've discovered this as well. Like, mm, despite whatever distance, uh, there's certain particles are, are connected together. Somehow, yeah. It's Somehow. It's very strange, isn't it? Well, yeah. we don't know. We have no <laughs> idea. It makes zero sense. But it's like, um, going back to what you said before, it's like um, we're all part of the same existence you know we we but there's something like uh young or um uh, the other guy who was into the oedipal mothers uh, freud <laughs> freud talks about the ego and stuff like that there's, we we all have these egos these sort of personas these we think of ourselves as individuals don't we but we're all connected there's right. uh, you know i mean we it, there could be ether it could be ether in between us all dark matter yeah what do you think about ether robbie um it was a fundamental aspect of people's reality up until the 1800s, mm. you know? Um, but, you know, when you look at modern physics, the fact that there's more space between the atoms that make up solid things, yeah. you know, and getting back into like, Buck, you ever see Buckaroo Banzai? I thought you were going to say Buck Rogers. You, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Buckaroo Banzai, he actually, in, in that, if you watch that film, um, they create this car um, with some sort of morphic field on it where he's actually able to drive into solid objects and exist within them and see, and there's like entities within them moving around. And so you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge question as to what this reality actually is. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're more nothing than something. There's, yeah, a, there's right. a weird thing. That there's a great start that I heard, I don't mm. know, 20 years ago or something. And it's if you took all the atoms of every human who's ever lived and took out the empty space and just compressed the at, uh, the atomic weights, it would fit inside of a softball. Yeah, That's how, yeah. how empty we are, especially my head. <laughs> I've got a particularly empty head. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the, that's the whole thing. The more you get into these subject matters and the more you start tracing down these different, you know, ideas, um, the more you realize that really nobody knows what, what the case is. It's kind of, you know, and they built this established thing they call science that's strictly based around physical observance and repeatable patterns within, you know, the machinations of the natural world. But that discounts all the, uh, the uh, spaces in between and the higher levels of, of energetic forms and, you know, all the possibilities that lie within that. Yeah, and there's the whole question of consciousness and the question of generation of the universe. Yeah. You know, I got taught when I was a kid, oh, it's the Big Bang big bang happened and uh, here we are it's like whoa what happened before that um what uh, what did uh, what did the philosophers call it uh, an uncaused first cause is that what we're talking yeah. about you know um this this isn't as uh, this isn't a uh, suitable answer 
go back to the drawing board, please. We need more, more information. Yeah. Well, traditionally, all the ancient cultures have dealt with this, you know. Um, in Egypt, you know, they existed in the Nuit, I believe it was called, um, where essentially it was a, a space of nothingness, you know. Um, and there was like these bullfrogs around this this void of chaos that, you know, an effulgent beam of light or a Lucas kind of shot out of. And that was, you know, where the first uh, mind came out of, you know, um, and, and you get into the Sumerians have, you know, similar tales. And, and, and if you trace the big bang back, it actually does go into um, Judaism. Um, I want to say in the 1600s when it was first wrote, written about. Oh, so, really? you know, yeah, yeah. So, it's uh, it's definitely uh, you know who knows though. I mean, the Buddhists say that it's all illusion. It's all burning around us. It's all you know. Um, and then and if it is all illusion and it is all you know us creating our own reality and reality bubbles as far as your reality bubble, you know, bumping up against my reality bubble, and we're kind of you know it, well. You do you know about the slit experiment? The double slit they, is certainly uh, mm. the particles and waves, is it? Right. And and to... basically when there was an observer, mm. um, they all would go to one side, whereas when the observer wasn't there, they would be evenly distributed. So they postulate that we, with our minds, are actually you know affecting how physical you know reality manifests itself depending upon how we're viewing it. Photons. You know? We can control the photons just by looking yeah. at them. Madness. <laughs> and the light, the light itself is a wave and a particle at the same time. And it doesn't turn into something until, mm. you know, that thing is realized. And there has to be an observe. It's the whole, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a noise? <laughs> yeah. <You know>? yeah. <laughs> do, you ever, um, do you ever get frustrated with the modern, with our modern culture? And how, you know, the vast majority of people that you meet in day-to-day life are just, um, they're just sort of preoccupied with bullshit constantly. Yeah. It's, but that's the whole thing, you know, Um, when you're brought into the world and then they slowly, like we were talking about, have taken away the idea of the sacred, you know, and, and they've debased the art and they've debased the music and they brought it all down to a materialist commercial culture, you know, where they want you to subscribe to everything, you know, um, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, it, it creates the idea that, you know, um, the human is nothing more than a soft machine, which when you go back and you, you know, like William Burroughs wrote The Soft Machine, you know, you go back into like, uh, um, what was it, Lily, and he taught, he was trying to take mines and basically wipe them and, and have a tabula rasa. Jerk off dolphins know? as well. Yeah, jerk off dolphins. Man, but if you read the programming and reprogramming of the human biocomputer, um, he specifically talks in that about um, basically reprogramming children, you know. So it's, uh, it's, and it, it, and he even says in there at one point, he says that some of the stuff that they did, he cannot openly talk about, um, because of, of, the, his fear of retribution from modern society, you know, oh, that sounds dark. Yeah. Mm. That does sound dark, doesn't it? 
So, yeah, you, you just, I don't know. As far, but as far as society in itself, I mean, when I go out and, cause I just got back, I was on uh, like a two and a half month trip and I just drove around the country and saw people I loved and kind of hung out at different festivals. And um, people in general are absolutely beautiful. They want to have a good time. They want to laugh. They want to show you the things in their life that are beautiful. Like they want to like take you and cook for you and take care of you. And like, you know, um, and that's the individual, you know, where, where, um, we see the beauty in the world and, and we want to show each other that, that vibration of, of love, which supersedes all, you know, but when you start getting into collective bodies, um, that build upon themselves, tribes, um, yeah, yeah, you know, um, and the two party system and, you know, it just, uh, and, and dualism in general, it's, Mm. uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's concerning. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we've done over, we've just ticked over an hour, Robbie, and uh, I'm conscious of the fact that we were late starting because of the technical snafus. Yeah. I've really enjoyed our chat, Robbie. I'd like to do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And, partic- and especially the book. I need to get the book and uh, I'd like to yeah, delve into yeah. that with you. Cause I love me nice. old biblical history and Old Testament stuff. Yeah. I find it fascinating. Um, as well yeah uh, i've got your website in the show notes and i think i put your twitter is there anywhere else that you'd like to send anyone to to yeah if anybody wants to check out um, my meta mindcast m-e-t-t-a mindcast all one word um basically i'm just taking the interviews that i've done um, on other shows like this and throwing those up there as they come available. And then like every fifth one is a deep dive where I do like an hour. Um, I'm basically going through and creating a, like an esoteric cosmological history of planet earth. And, uh, so yeah, like every fifth one, it'll say recordings on, you know, and, and that just kind of gets into some of the stuff I've kind of been reading about and, um, yeah but basically um you know i just uh i'm out here and throwing some art out in the world every once in a while and kind of just trying to uh to you know um create a good life with my wife and and kind of um you know be happy as as a person can be you know in this existence so that's all any of us want isn't it well most most of us there's the odd you know schwab who wants world domination whatever but you know most of us are simple we're simple beings aren't we we don't need we don't need much yeah but um yeah robbie this has been great um stay on the line for us for one minute while we play ourselves out it's been a pleasure links are in the show notes as always for uh, robbie's website and whatnot And uh, for those of you watching live, we shall see you very soon for part two. Do some news. Yeah. Got some great Trump clips this week. Oh. Oh, he's back. He's back with a bang. The orange man. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Right. Sayonara. See you soon, folks. Ten minutes, roughly. Right, then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of mindfulness. <laughs> the mother of mindfulness. If you just joined us, we just had a great chat with Robbie Marks. That was good. Good fun. That went all over the place, didn't it? Yeah, I thought we were going Very... to talk about artwork. <laughs> I thought we did. Kind of be. He told us about his artwork. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. Always nice to hear some stuff, some fresh 
spitting about Nimrod, isn't it? We've not we've not touched on Nimrod for a long time, no, have we? No, we've not touched the Nim on the rod <laughs> for maybe two years. <coughs> no. No. Not at all. So links are in the show notes as always, aren't they? Yeah, check out his website for cool teas. I particularly like one, an early one, by his daughter. Nice owl print. Right. I thought I'd I'd wear that. An owl print? It's an owl print. You have to scroll right to the beginning. Was it Moloch? Uh, was, no, was it, it was more like Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, right. Or the, like the mechanical owl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, right. It wasn't a bunch of old white guys worshipping Moloch in, in hoods in Washington. No. No. Sacrificing children. No. Good. Oh, you almost got a little bit uh, Infowars then. Whoa! <laughs> FEMA camps! Black helicopters! Yeah. I did have... Uh... Oh, do I really... Well, you, you've kind of... Fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! I got plenty of words for you, but at the end of the day, fuck, fuck you and your New World Order, and fuck the horse you rode in on, and all your shit! It's great. Well, legend. There we go. Right, so yeah, links in the show notes. Let's move on. <laughs> Some headlines got three this week. I thought maybe cutting one because we're running over already. We'll see how we get on. Wow. So the pearlers. Three pearlers. That is a line. What? That is a long-looking story you've got there. All right. Well, well the first one. Mm. Cops struggle to keep hold of perverts who rubbed stolen bubble bath on himself. Well, that's a good idea, isn't it? For a slippery getaway. It is, isn't it? A jilted boyfriend who broke into his ex's flat then fled naked out the bathroom window, clutching her bubble bath before lathering himself up and trying to slip away from the cops, said he only wanted a wash. Joseph Seven, 26. That's Joseph Severn, not Seven, like Ryan Seven. No, he's not a relative. That's, there he is. Joseph Severn was spotted cowering in bushes with poo smeared over his face and mouth. No. <laughs> no. Joseph Severn, 26, was spotted cowering in bushes with poo smeared over his face Why and mouth. Why did he have poo on his mouth? Because he wasn't allowed to have a bath, obviously. Oh, no. You know, whose poo was it? Exactly, that's what I mean. Was it Mr. <laughs> Hanky? Why was he covered in poo? I think he maybe has some issues. <laughs> he managed to get a girlfriend, <laughs> How did he get a girlfriend? Oh, I don't think he's a bad-looking chap. Yeah, but... I'm not sure about the pout. Kind of reminds me of Comatan. <laughs> oh. I think it's... <laughs> Just because a Dio dog can design a stubble and that. Yeah. Dark hair, I mean. Yeah. Same colour eyes, maybe. Maybe. wonder if he's related to a saint. Oh, well, he's not, hasn't, he's not been sainted, has he? Canonised. Yeah. Comatan's granddad, was it? Yeah, his granddad. He's, he's applied. Right, you have to apply to Rome, dear. To apply. Cross some palms with silver. Um, yeah, and, yeah and the rest. It's an ongoing <laughs> process. Uh, we're never going to get through this. Um, he was <laughs> spotted carrying in bushes with poo smeared over his face and mouth after his former partner called police, saying she had found him in her tub asking for sex. He was jailed for 21 months. Good. <laughs> After admitting burglary, exposure, criminal damage, and two counts of assaulting an emergency worker. 
His lawyer, Anis Ali, told the judge at Stoke-on-Trent Crown Court, He does have an explanation and he is aware it is unlikely to assist your honour, but he said he simply wanted a wash. Outlining Seven's eight-minute rampage, prosecutor Jonathan Dickinson... Dickinson's real deal. Prosecutor Jonathan Dickinson told the court he had entered his partner's flat in Adderley Green uninvited on January the 28th. She was first alerted to the sound of her bathroom door slamming and then heard the shower running. She got closer. It sounds like psycho, this, doesn't it? Mm. <clears throat> As she eased the door open to peer inside, she described seeing clothes strewn on the floor and feces wiped up the side of the tub with Seven crouched inside asking if she wanted sex. Where's the poo come from? I don't know. <laughs> Mr Dickinson said, After seeing him in the bathroom, she shouted at him to get out, that she was going to call the police. He asked if he could have sex with her. She phoned her brother to ask him to come to the flat. Whilst she was on the phone, the defendant, still naked, jumped out the window and knocked over two small ornaments. Made of poo. <laughs> Stealing a bottle of bubble bath in the process. The police arrived and heard the defendant was making his way down Banksman Road. He was seen hidden in bushes, naked apart from a jacket. He had feces covering his face and mouth. Police eventually caught him crouched by the back door of a property, genitals exposed, rubbing the stolen gel over himself. This guy's not well, is he? No. Officers tried to restrain him, but he was very slippery. <laughs> After attempting to climb over a nearby fence, officers pulled him to the ground. The court was told he continued lashing out, biting two of the officers mm. before he was pepper sprayed and detained. Pepper and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dickinson added, The whole incident lasted around eight minutes. It was all caught on body-worn cameras and he made several attempts to start masturbating during the chase and making overly sexualised comments to the officers. Fuck me. wonder what kind of comments they would be. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't want to go there. He even attempted another sex act while placed in rear handcuffs. How's that work? Maybe tried to hump someone. show, Self-fellatio. I think he probably just tried to shag someone. Though. Yeah. With his hands behind his back. Yeah. Good grief. Defending, Mr. Ali said, he recognises the position he is in and he is genuinely remorseful. He regrets his actions and assured me that none of it was sexually motivated. <laughs> He recognises this was an unpleasant incident. This was not a situation that required extensive planning. It was on impulse. In terms of damage, I've turned into Voldemort. Yeah. In terms of damage, it was limited to nominal. Mm. I said that my client said it wasn't sexually motivated, Harry. He does have an explanation, and he is aware it is unlikely to assist your honour. But he said he simply wanted a wash. I'm not buying it. I think it is sexually motivated. He is obviously a pervert. <laughs> a slippery pervert with probably mental issues. Yeah, I mean, why did he not just go down the mental route there? 
Sorry, I'm mental. <laughs> I mean, uh, as soon as you start rubbing feces in your face, in your mouth... You've signed your own... You've got your own alibi. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. You're going to Broadmoor or something. Mm. And wave to Helen on the way. Yeah, exactly. Is it Broadmoor? She, where she lives. <laughs> Doesn't she live near a mental hospital? Yeah, the big one. Near one, yeah. <laughs> Wing A. Next one. Passengers given £1,143 refund after dog farted on them during a 13-hour flight. Wow. Well, that's picture of interest, this, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I'm all, I'm all up well, for, for a deal. For a, a refund, yeah. Uh, well, see how you feel. A couple forced <laughs> to sit next to a farting dog for a 13-hour flight have been given... Co- Honestly, uh, all right, do you want to take Zeus on holiday? His farts that will strip li- yeah, paint. It's the, it's the lipstick. Yeah. The lipstick. It's the the cheese and the lipstick that would do me, not the farts. Oh, well, I, you just haven't been in a room when is that one why is unleashed. Is that why he's not allowed in? He farts and scares himself and jumps off the couch. And leaves it with you. Well, that's because you let him eat wooden spoons and, <laughs> and cans. Jill and Warren Press had their Air Singapore flight ruined by a snoring, flatulent, <laughs> flatulent, slobbery, emotional support dog. Oh, they're just not real things, are they? Did you not see the guy who had an emo- he had to be taken off a plane with his emotional support alligator? Yeah, I've heard that. You know, the emotional support peacock emotional support python it's just nonsense isn't it just expose yourself expose yourself you'll be fine yeah they were boarding a flight to paris from paris to new zealand earlier this month when they heard snorting jill said uh, where are they from from paris all right I yelled this noise, a heavy snorting. I thought it was my husband's phone, but we looked down and realized it was the dog breathing. I said, I'm not having this sitting next to us the whole trip. It's good. The couple was told by a flight attendant that there was nowhere to move in their section, so they stayed put and hoped the dog would settle. Listen, so can a, a dog hold it, hold a turd and a wee in for 13 hours? Yeah. Is that not stressful for it? Depends if if they're used to it. Right. Surely. Shh, shh, don't call me Shirley. <laughs> it is stressful, but don't call me Shirley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the couple was told, um, yeah, they hoped the dog would settle. Um, he did not. He did not. And was farting throughout the entire flight. Jill added, Zig. He's been desperate for a shit, man. <clears throat> Just somebody eating probably at the airport. Mm. Maybe it's airline food. Yeah, probably. That will give you windy pops. It would, wouldn't it? Uh, they couldn't have the dog out in the aisle because they couldn't get the trolley through, so it had to come in feather, which meant his head was under my husband's feet. My husband was in shots and was getting the dog's saliva on his leg. <laughs> After complaining, Jill and Warren, Warren, that's our French names. <laughs> Warren. <laughs> Hill. <laughs> Je, Je. After, com- Je. After complaining, Jill and Warren were offered £116 travel vouchers, wow. which they were unhappy with. Mm. A sportsman for Singapore Airlines said, 
Singapore Airlines apologises to Mr and Mrs Press for their experience on board their flight from Paris to Singapore. SIA endeavours to notify customers who may be seated next to an assistant dog prior to boarding. In circumstances where customers seated next to an assistant dog, assistance dog, request to be moved, we will assist in reseating customers within the same cabin if space permits. In this instance, we unfortunately were unable to move Mr. and Mrs. Press within the same cabin as the premium economy class cabin was full. Our crew offered to move Mr. and Mrs. Press to two empty seats in economy class, which they accepted after takeoff. Um, however, after pushing for a refund, the couple say they have since been given around $1,410, which they plan to donate to a New Zealand charity that matches visually impaired people with guide dogs. Oh, my God. So how's that for a fucking feel-good story? It is, but, you know, those guide dogs have got to fly, man. Yeah, just don't get to see your next one. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, okay. Last one. Uh, It's time to... We do this occasionally. We'll revisit a previous story. Oh, no. I divorced my ghost husband... Now he's stalking me in bizarre disguises. I, do you remember Bro Card? Remember yeah. we, we played a clip of their wedding ceremony? The one who married a ghost? Yeah. A woman who divorced, divorced her ghost lover claims the spectre is now stalking her after their breakup. Singer-songwriter Bro Card from Oxfordshire. Publicity Bel- Hungry singer-songwriter. <laughs> Brocard from Oh, gosh, you're such a cynic. <laughs> so cynical. You think this is a publicity stunt? No, I think she's genuinely in love and has married a, a spectral being. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she fell in love, love with Ooh. Ed Wildor, the ghost of a Victorian soldier in late 2021. <laughs> a year after she said they got married, she called quits on the relationship and accused the spirit of cheating on her. She called in an exorcist and was convinced Eduardo was gone for good, so treated herself to a trip to France where she says she met another ghost named Fabienne near the Eiffel Tower, no less. Oh, yeah, obviously. When it followed her home, she became suspicious and her worst fears were later confirmed. It was Eduardo in disguise, not Fabienne. Brocard said, I thought that I started a new ghost-free chapter of my life. It wasn't until I started to think about moving on that disturbing and creepy things started to happen. Mm. I embarked on a post-divorce trip to Paris to find myself, and I ended up finding Fabienne, or so he called himself. I was walking down the banks of the River Seine, chasing the shadow of the Eiffel Tower, Cowing oh under my umbrella as raindrops poured off it. <laughs> and then it struck me, glistening in a puddle, the reflection of a Frenchman. I tilted my umbrella back, but nobody was around. I looked back towards the puddle, the man was clear as the ocean. A holiday romance with a Parisian ghost was surely too good to be true. He later revealed himself as Eduardo. It was a honey trap. All along, I couldn't believe I'd been catfished by, by a ghost. She says Eduardo had become jealous, <clears throat> and she now only wants to date men who still have a pulse. So she's on the market, fellas. Yeah, one broke card. One to free. avoid. 
You all heard her name? I cautiously started to go on dates with living humans. Mm. <laughs> I returned home from a date with a bunch of flowers, and Eduardo thought it would be amusing to pull the heads off all the roses and scatter the petals yeah, on my de- bed. It, de- it definitely wasn't a hair. He's even learned to play Curless Whisper on the saxophone. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, at least I think it's him. The sound echoes in the distance sometimes when I'm taking a bath by candlelight. These are fucking quotes, man. No, uh... He's getting really jealous of the flat that I want to date a modern man. He knows I no longer find his uniform attractive, so he's going to extreme lengths to pull me in. He's even given himself a modern makeover and presented himself as a Ken doll. <laughs> well, you got you got to link it to Barbie, haven't you? The smash hit. Yeah. She continues. I thought I was going crazy when the image of him with cropped blonde hair and a pink suit appeared. I could tell it was him though, as his gaunt, harrowed eyes locked into mine. And slowly he merged back into a rugged Victorian soldier. A medium told me Eduardo would always be with me. And that's a thought I can't come to terms with. I'll leave it there because... Dreadful. (sighs) What publication was that in? (laughs) Daily Sport? The Metro. (laughs) (laughs) The Metro. Oh, God. Maybe we should get her on. Should we get Brock on? No. I won't be able to keep a straight face. No, we can't have her on. No. She's okay. too big for us anyway. She obviously yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. All right, let's move on. Let's see what's coming up next. First on BBC One, <laughs> Prince Andrew becomes part of Jimmy Savile's dream team. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yes, yeah, let's do some housekeeping. This is the Value for Value podcast. And if you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. Um, this, yeah, the value. This is a value for value proposition. There are no um, paywalls, no uh, Patreon exclusive content, no uh, sponsorship deals or uh, anything like that. And uh, um, that requires you lot listening or watching to return some value in, in a myriad of ways that are available, which we shall now quickly describe. My favourite is word of mouth. Telling people who you think may appreciate this shit show, <laughs> send them a link, you know, wherever you are online and uh, help us grow our reach, um, engage with uh, more different and interesting guests and expand the tiny footprint this podcast has in the oversaturated (laughs) online streaming milieu. (laughs) Nicely put together for once. (coughs) For your little bit there. Um, The newsletter's just been sent out today, hasn't it? Love Springer! Yeah, so, you know, you can sign up for that on the website, I think. The Army's Inquisition... Dot com. Yeah, or a link in the show notes. Or a link in the show notes. Should work. Um, in the uh, newsletter, you'll get a preview for the month's ahead guests. Um, some memes in there. Some great memes, generally. Have some high-quality memes, yeah. Some high-quality memes, some jokes. Uh, Ben's column, of course. 
and uh, Phil writes uh, an article normally. Once yeah, a month. and uh, guest previews with like links to uh, the websites or channels mm. and uh, biogs or what we might be talking about, subject matter. Yeah, and uh, you know you can post questions in the Element Server. So if you join our Element Server, you would uh, leave us a question that we can read out. We're quite happy to do that. Um, you can also in there send us news articles, audio stuff, um, talk to us, all of those kinds of things, um, which is very helpful. And um, you could also post artwork, show artwork. Yeah, with no submissions this week for uh, podcast artwork, so I rocked, uh, rocked, knocked, smashed this to bits from the YouTube thumbnail. I think that's pretty nice. That's nice. I think that's a pretty tight... I think so. ...tight piece of digital art for a, a Luddite, such as myself. I think that's very nice. Good. Um, I, I like the text. Right, yeah. All right, okay. I'll make a note of uh, whatever font that was. Yeah, it looks good. Um, as far as artwork, you know, you can submit artwork that we might even use in a T-shirt in the merch store, the Amish loot chest. Yeah, people have been, the merch has been flying out of the store, hasn't it, recently? We've sold a couple of things in, mm. you know, in the last six months. Well, yeah, you know, all in the last <laughs> week or so. And so this is the latest design. You are the carbon they want to reduce, the useless mm. eater. That's the premium tea. We've got bacon nuts. This is what Lee, Lee did for us Lee. when we did the Francis Bacon episode. Uh, mug form three. Lee did this one as well. Mm-hmm. Three weeks to flatten the earth. It's my mm. favourite at the moment. Literally a communist logo, mm. all the rest of it. If you sign up to the newsletter that comes out at the beginning of the month, you also get the discount code for that month and gives you a 10% off the merch store. Mm. Exactly. You get something to uh, wear or drink your booze from and we get a slice of the profits. Yeah, we get like 10% or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ooh, birthdays. Ooh. Birthday shout-outs we do. Guest suggestions. Focus G request. This is unique to our podcast. Is your chi depleted? Could you do with a little bit more chi? Yeah, always. I could always do a topping off. Topping up of chi. Um, So you could request a focus chi request um, in the element server. Or, you know, you could email us at the Inquisition at gmail.com as well. Um, Maybe message us on the various platforms that we're on. Mm. Um, and we would be quite happy to pick that up and replenish your chi. Sure. Um, smash the like button, hit the bell, comment, sub, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, we're close to, we're nearing on 1,500 uh, subs on YouTube. I saw the other day, we were like 1497 or something. Right, okay. So, so nearly uh, there. I mean, it's not going to change out. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but I suppose it's a landmark, isn't it? Another yeah, landmark. Yeah. Um... And there was one more thing. Oh, another way to become a producer. Drop your eavesdropping ways. You know, we talk about producers. These are actual real credits. So if you look in the show notes, it won't be updated yet. But if you're listening and you look at the show notes, there'll be a list of producers for this episode. These credits are real. You can put them in your CV. We will back you up. You can be a producer of a podcast Mm. just by helping us produce this podcast. Yeah. And what's the best way to become a producer? Leaving us a review. All right. You could leave us a review. <laughs> Second best. <laughs> Reviews don't pay the fucking bills, man. Oh. 
Um, if you do leave us, leave us a review, just send it to us because sometimes we don't pick it up. Yeah, we don't monitor. Um, we don't. Yeah, we especially don't monitor Rumble, do we? Um, unfortunately. So yeah, but the best way is to toss us a coin. Toss a coin. Absolutely, do it for the lads. Lads, lads. Yeah, because we're anti-social bastards. Oh, oh, why is it so quiet? Why is Mark so quiet? Whispering it. I know. Yeah, we're. Um, if you go to thearmsinquisition.com, you'll find a PayPal button there. Or look in the show notes. You can give us a one-off donation. Sign up for a monthly recurring sustain- sustaining donation. Sustacious. 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 Donacious. Ignatious. Yeah. Donnelly. Help us keep the lights on. Pay for the uh, hosting costs and Zoom and... Uh, for when Phil leaves fucking, the heater on. Fucking heat as well. It's going to be getting cold soon. Yeah. I'm hoping putting that... Um, taking the up and over door out mm. and putting a wall and a UPVC door will help retain some heat in this uh, cold box that is the studio. So I'm hoping the uh, heating costs will be reduced, but not optimistic. But anyway, only you fuckers out there can save, save Plotland mm. and keep the shit show going. Right, it's time to thank the producers for episode 298. It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo. Who forgot? I've got the wrong sheet. Where's oh, it? no. Rust up your papers. Ah! Right, producers for episode 298, we have... Anonymous coffee buyer, Martin oh. Young, Rona Kesson, Ben Limmer, Alia, Helen, Emma Bridges, Matthew Chin and Johnny Fogg. Thank you. They are. Yes. Yeah. So amazing. They are. And their love. And <laughs> literally. The best mate. I'm literally a communist. The dwarfs, the carrots, the grape, the doctor of thugonomics, the homophobes, the wind, the giant fucking lenses, the chest feeding, communist, the base, the sigma chat, the corn pop, cunt, the baby penis, inner asshole, these clockwork clowns, the dime bar, oh, Willie G, the number 11, the bee gun on the bus, Chungus never seems so sus. The blind man. The big Chungus. The cripple and the mother. Money bickering. From hell. We love. Are you retarded? I don't get it. Never will. One of the great artists of our time representing a groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America. LLJ Cool J. Yeah, thanks for your support for another week. Means the world to us. Do all those things we've just described to uh, become producer and uh, get a credit in the show notes. Excellent. Right, that's it. That's uh, producers, housekeeping done. Let's move on. End of show ISOs. Oh, God. Yeah, how many have I got this week? I had a late submission from Johnny Fong at like 5.15. But I got it because it was worth it. He doesn't even know he gave it me. But I took it and I cut it and I have it. So I've got one, two, three, four. Uh, first one, uh, deeply embarrassing. I think this is fitting for the end of show. This is something that is deeply embarrassing. No, not liking it. Uh, okay, what about... Um, <laughs> you like this. What in the world is this? I said, what in the world is this? Mm. Mm. No. Buttered sausage? 
Let's talk about buttered sausage. Let's talk about buttered sausage. Is that all you got for me? No, I've got one more. Okay, this is the Hail Mary then. <laughs> it's going to have to be. You're really not impressed with Not this. impressed. Okay, well, how about that's it from us? That's it from us. You're up to date. There you go. That's it from us. Tight. You're up to date. Yeah. Tight. Okay, that's the one. A bit which, quiet. Which one is Johnny Fogg's then? That one. That's it from us. You're up to date. There you go. It was uh, at the end of a clip he posted in the Element server at tea time. And I went, ooh, yes. I need good one. Job. I need good, one. It's a good job. Yeah. Well, this is why he's a producer. The buttered sausage thing is it's all over the internet for weeks. I haven't seen it, so I have it. And it's AI. Yeah. Okay, well, let's do it now then. This is the uh, buttered sausage full clip that's been going around, uh, purporting to be Gary Boosie. Let's talk about buttered sausage. Talk about buttered sausage, where it comes from, what it does. Why is it doing what it's doing? Get it out of my face. What about buttered, buttered, buttered sausage? That's not your jam. It's not your thing. You don't like it? It's not my jam. I don't buy jam. I buy honey, and I kiss it on the lips. <laughs> I mean, that's... I was going to say, when I first watched it, I thought that's probably something that Gary Busey would do. <laughs> this is it. This is what's so good about it, because, yeah, that's that's on par. Yeah. That's what he's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice AI until this week. Right, okay. When I looked it up to get the clip. Gary Busey AI clip. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's all they did. That, you know, nothing yeah. to say about that. We'll, we'll strike that off. Strike, strike, it from it. The, strike it from the record. Yeah. When, we don't use EI. 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 EI or? EI. EI. Yeah. You ever wondered how to deal with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses? Always. God. This is one of those... Hello. Um, this is one of those ring doorbell cams, isn't it? Yeah. And he's, uh, he's recorded and posted his interaction with Jehovah's Witnesses. And here it is. Hello. Hello. Hello, my name's Nadine. I'm one of Jehovah's Witnesses. We're just calling to share a positive thought. Is it, have you got a moment? No, fuck off. Okay, no problem. You have a good day. Thank you. See ya. She's not impressed at the back, is she? No, I mean... Body language, arms folded. Last time I saw a Jehovah, they didn't have an iPad mini. Hey, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. She's got an iPad. What is she looking at? The Bible, I presume. Is it called the Watchtower? Online. Oh, oh, right. So the Watchtower is the newsletter, isn't it? Mm. The Jehovah's Witnesses newsletter. We have um, a big national hub down the M61, don't we, Chorley? I thought that was uh, Mormons. Oh, is it? Um, That's the Mormon church, isn't it? Is it Mormons? Yeah, they come from here, don't they? They come from Preston or something weird. Unlike Fox Street, not yeah. Is that the the heart of Mormonology? Yeah, I think so. Right. Like the Temperance so... Movement and Mormons came from <laughs> Preston. I'm getting my Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so Book of Mormon was the South Park thing, wasn't it? I'm getting muddled up, I guess. Yeah, because she says Jehovah's Witnesses. They're not Mormons, are they? No, they're some. I don't else. think do, do Mormons come door to door. I don't mm. think they do, do they? They have, um, I was chased from town once. 
by a Mormon. So they do have people who wear like suits and they tend to be American, right. obviously. Yeah. Um, and they come across from America to here because it's like one of the, where they came from basically. So, right. um, and they train there as conversionists or whatever they're called, preachers. Um, and then they used to practice. Used to see them a lot more than what I do now. I don't really see them much, but I don't go into town anymore. So maybe they're still hanging so around. So this American Mormon accosted you on the street. You ran away, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And he, he shouted, "Fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! Chased you! I got plenty of words for you, but at the end of the day, fuck you and your and your New World Order and your Catholicism. <laughs> you filthy papist. Yeah. <laughs> you filthy papist. I know." They used to call them back in the uh, post-Reformation days, church papists. That's what Catholics were labelled as. The papists who went along and went to church mm. and put cotton wool in their ear during the uh, Protestant mass. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, because you got fined, you see. Catholics got fined for not attending mass. Oh, right, okay. This is the whole pretext of the gunpowder plot. Right, okay. Um the, the plotters were all from wealthy families who were church, who were uh, Catholics, who could Sick afford... Of the fines. They could afford to pay the fines. Mm. They'd been ruined, mm-hmm. and their lands had been taken and whatnot. But anyway, that's uh, that's for another day. So we've done buttered sausage. We've done nice holes. Um, right, so we're talking about Canadian Nazis. Should we get this out of the way? Yeah, why not? Um, you must have heard this story. Is this about the Sikh guy? Sikh Sikh guy. I don't know. The only story I've seen about Hardeep Singhali. But yeah, like uh, I don't know. Some, is it not like an Indian guy who's been murdered or something? Oh no. What? Well, maybe. Yeah. No. I was talking about the Canadian Parliament. No, I've, they... I've heard of something. The only Canadian story I've heard this week is where have you been? <clears throat> was someone not murdered in in Canada? That was like an, and they think it was India. You know, I heard this story. He was murdered in Canada and they think it was India. Indian special, uh, like, spies. No, no, no. Went over and murdered him, yeah. I'm intrigued now. A Canadian was murdered on Canadian soil. Yeah, but it has, like, Indian heritage or something. Wow. Unless I'm completely messing up this story. Was he running for office? I I don't know. That's all I can remember from it, yeah. No, this is... um... No, this is um, the Canadian Parliament, Trudeau and the Speaker and everyone applauding a Nazi. No. Well, uh, Zelensky was there, a Ukrainian war hero who's 98 years old. I'll, I'll, I can't believe not. <laughs> this has been everywhere. Did he turn out to be a Nazi? Yeah, he turned out to be... Uh, <laughs> on the wrong side. 14th Waffen Division of the SS, and they gave him a standing ovation. Right, well, let's let's play oh, the clip. I've got the... Hell. I mean, every outlet, news outlet in the world has covered this story this week, but I picked <laughs> World in One News. We on... Because I just love the intro, to be honest. Is Canada a nest for Nazis? (laughs) Why is Canada rolling out a red carpet for a man who fought for them? These are questions I want to ask tonight. Let me start by saying Canadian politicians need a crash course in international diplomacy or perhaps a masterclass in the art of global perception. Because if they continue on their current trajectory, Canada runs a risk of alienating even more allies in the days to come. Just last week, Canada found itself playing host to an extraordinary guest of honour, a Ukrainian war hero, no less. The 98-year-old Yaroslav Hunka 
received a standing ovation in Canada's House of Commons. However, Sunday brought an unexpected twist. The Speaker of the House issued a public apology. But do you know why? Because of the man for whom Canada decided to roll out the red carpet. You see, this war veteran once fought for the Nazis during World War II. And now Canada stands red-faced in the spotlight again. The controversy first erupted last week over a photo from Canada's House of Commons. It showed a smiling Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, standing alongside Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau while applauding a person outside the frame. Ukrainian-Canadian world veteran from the Second World War who fought the Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today, even at his age of 98. Shit-eating, shit-eating grin the speaker's got there. I know, yeah. Applauding a fucking war criminal. Mm. He mustn't be able to believe his luck, must he? No. He's probably been essentially in hiding. Well, he's just moved like, to Canada. I was just getting vibes of that, that guy who came on for the cleaning interview and ended up getting interviewed on. <laughs> oh, John, was it BBC I News just 24? Got, I just keep going along with this. <laughs> this will be fine. Oh. Some at some point, I'll, nobody will notice me anymore. Oh no, we're going to take you to Canada now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can come along with Zelensky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets more interesting this story when, after the incident, when we get to unpack it and apologies and things, it gets very interesting. On and on and on. They gave him two standing owls, actually. You heard the applause. This enthusiastic cheer came right after Zelensky's address to the House. Canadian lawmakers burst into applause after Speaker Anthony Rota drew attention to this war veteran. He was introduced as a Ukrainian war hero, a veteran who had once fought with the first Ukrainian division during World War II, before making Canada his home. But here is where the plot thickens. The 1st Ukrainian Division is more infamously known as the 1st Galician Division or the 14th Waffen-Grenadier Division of the SS, a unit formed by Nazi Germany during the latter half of World War II, comprising primarily Ukrainian collaborators from the western part of the country. This notorious division was embroiled in a brutal anti-partisan warfare. Its members stand accused of committing horrendous atrocities against Polish, Jewish and Russian civilians. Yeah, not a good look. No. So, obviously, it took less than 24 hours for this information to come out. And uh, the first, I've got uh, two apologies from Justin Trudeau. Uh, the first one is an ad hoc one. It wasn't an official apology. It was, it was sort of, it was caught somewhere, travelling between destinations mm. by the press. And uh, I found this it first... It wasn't in blackface, was he? <laughs> for a change. I mean... I love that picture of him with his tongue out, smiling. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. I mean, it's like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, personally, but it's it's the hypocrisy mm. of it. But anyway, here's the first apology. Extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker, speaker has uh, acknowledged... Your uh, headphone volume all right? Yes, fine. I feel quiet. Okay. Let's roll it back. Extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker, speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake uh, and has apologized. 
uh, but this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and by extension to all Canadians. Uh, I think particularly of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating Yom, or commemorating Yom Kippur today. Bad timing. Mm. The day before Yom Kippur. Uh, I think it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support. Why is he bringing Russian propaganda and Russian disinformation? So this 98-year-old is a Russian spy. <laughs> it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support for Ukraine uh, as uh, we did last week with announcing uh, further measures to stand with Ukraine in uh, Russia's illegal war against it. Yeah, it's interesting. I think what he's referring to is there are a lot of media outlets have been highlighting that uh, Ukraine has a Nazi problem. And um, Ukraine when, has a Nazi problem. Yeah, and uh, what, what didn't Putin early on in the saying about we're going to get the Nazis. denazifying? Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what he's referring to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting if you just search, um, do a Google search for like Ukraine Nazis, <laughs> you'll find articles from uh, over a de- nearly a decade ago from the Guardian. Mm. All the major outlets, the ones who are rah rah, Rasputin, rah rah, <laughs> not Rasputin. He's Russian. He's evil. I know. Yeah. Rah rah, Zelensky. Mm. Um, but the, you know, ten years ago, they were reporting about uh, the far right in Ukraine and the the Nazis in Ukraine and the right. Azov Battalion and all the, the the people were funding basically in the mm. minute. Some of them. I'm not saying all Ukrainians are Nazis. Come on, nuance. But it seems that. The Western media has been reporting for years that there is a problem with far-right extremism or otherwise known as Nazism in Ukraine. Mm. But, yeah, that would be Russian disinformation now. Well, it seems that way, yeah. That's how it's being framed. You You can muddy the waters by saying that now, This is the message. Mm. So that was an ad hoc apology. Um, I like this second apology. This is an official one. And, you know, outlining all the groups that have been hurt and distressed by this uh, disaster that happened in the Canadian Parliament. In a few moments, I will address the House in front of all Canadians, in front of Jewish people here and around the world, and Ukrainians, to offer Parliament's unreserved apologies for what happened on Friday. The Speaker was solely responsible for the... Throwing under the bus, the Speaker, it's the Speaker's fault... I'm just the Prime Minister. You know, yeah. my office has nothing to do with security or vetting people or anything like that. It's just this it's guy, yeah. the Speaker of the House. It's, it's his fault. The invitation and recognition of this man and has wholly accepted that responsibility and stepped down. This was a mistake. He stepped down on uh, Tuesday, I think. Wow. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, he had to. Mm. I mean, he would have been... I don't know if they can fire a Speaker... Mm. But obviously, uh, his position was made untenable. He was made an mm. offer he couldn't refuse, I presume. Yeah, a lifetime pension. <laughs> <laughs> and full salary. He accepted that responsibility and stepped down. You know, someone was talking, I was listening to something earlier about 
how the how old the politicians are in the states. Biden, Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, the was guy it, who keeps freezing. Was it Joe Rogan? I think it may maybe it was. I was that listening to him. Rory Emerson, is he called? Oh, I don't know who it was. No, I don't think it was Rogan. No, right. But he was talking about that in an episode recently. And it made me think they need a House of Lords. Yeah. Where all the old fuckers just go to snore. Just pick up the four hundred quid a day. Yeah. And just go sleep in the House of Lords. But they can't do much damage there. Mm. Whereas they still have them writing laws. Well, yeah, they said it, 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 he was saying, and Ro, Joe Rogan was saying, you know, they have like, then, well, that Mitch McConnell's not probably not doing anything, is he really? But it's the staff around them that their the livelihoods are dependent on him staying in office, and they'll be obviously they'll be getting paid a fortune plus all the backhanders, all the days out. All that kind of stuff, you know, where to put their money in certain stocks and all the rest of it inside of trading. Insider trading, which isn't illegal, I don't think, in the States. <clears throat> so, politicians. Um, you know, that's why they stay in until the point where they're having strokes live on television. Yeah, it's a, it's a sick, it's a system on life support. Mm. But anyway, let's carry on with uh, Justin. This was a mistake that has deeply embarrassed Parliament and Canada. All of us who were in this House on Friday regret deeply having stood and clapped, even though we did so unaware of the context. It was a horrendous violation of the memory of the millions of people who died in the Holocaust, and it was deeply, deeply painful for Jewish people. It also hurt Polish people, Roma people, to SLGBTQI plus people, disabled people, racialized people, and the many millions who were targeted by the Nazi genocide. So, I'm going to have to play that back. To SLGBT. <laughs> What's that? To what? Well, let's go back. And it was deeply, deeply painful for Jewish people. It also hurt Polish people, Roma people, to SLGBTQI plus people, Disabled people, racialized, good two, at saying, uh, isn't deeply. He? 2SL, LGBTQI plus. Yeah. 2SL, 2S is two spirit, isn't it? Two spirit animals. Hitler hated them, the, the two spirits. What the fuck is a 2SL? It's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm me, but I'm also a fox. I'm fox spirit. I'm, I'm, um, I'm wolfkin. Hitler really had no time for them. Deeply painful for Jewish people. It also hurt Polish people, Roma people, 2SLGBTQI plus people, disabled people, racialized people, and the many millions who were targeted. What's racialized people? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just speechless. To be honest with you. I mean, they, just, they hoovered up everybody, dissidents, didn't they? You know. Uh, in, uh, of every creed and colour, I imagine. Um, uh, communists were the first. Yeah, Communists were the first to be sent to the concentration camps. They were the test subjects. <laughs> it was the communists, yeah. Mm-hmm. Political dis- dissonance. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, got, he started off well. He said the Jews, the Roma, gypsies. Yeah, Romans, I remember them. Um, he didn't Disabled men- people were sent, weren't they? Was that included in there? Well, um, Tecton 4. Was it called T4, Tecton 4? Mm-hmm. That was the um, um, enforced euthanasia campaign they ran. Right. Where uh, people who were a bit slow mm. 
were murdered. Mm. It was involuntary involuntary euthanasia right. on a mass scale. And uh, by the way, folks, that was that was implemented by nurses, nurses and doctors. Mm. They just they just kill people on mass in the hospitals if they uh, were a bit slow. They had a, a birth defect. Um, oh, too many fingers, right? Have to just take this pill <laughs> injection, and it was regular folks, regular nurses and doctors who did it. Mm-hmm. Nothing special about them. No, that, that's what's disturbing about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, was that mentioned? No, I, I did. It, well, two LGBTQI plus. I thought he'd mentioned disabled people. But no, no, I don't think he did. Was I'm going to write to him. Missed one. Yeah, I mean, you, you need In to cover all your bases, don't you? Elation of the memories, elation of the... And it was deeply, deep. It also hurt Polish people, Roma people, two SLGBTQI plus people, disabled people, oh, racialized he people... did say it. And the many millions who were targeted... You were a good egg. ...by the Nazi genocide. You are a good egg. Good yeah. egg. Don't forget Trudeau. The, the racialized people. Yeah. So that was the second... Um, Apology. He was saying that before I go into Parliament. So then they went into Parliament, and a member of Parliament from his party, the Liberal Party, came up with this incredible statement. Uh, wanted to uh, raise a point of order and cast a, an immediate vote. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I would like to ask for unanimous consent to adopt the following motion. Unanimous consent. Because uh, what she's proposing requires unanimous consent. That notwithstanding any standing order, special order, or usual practice of the House, the recognition made by the Speaker of the House of an individual present in the galleries during the joint, joint address to Parliament by His Excellency Volodymyr Zelensky be struck from the appendix of the House of Commons debates of Thursday, September 21st, 2023, and from any House multimedia recording. Thank you. Can we erase that from erase the record? Erase that from history, basically. Uh, Ingsoc. This is... Uh, <laughs> it's 1984. Mm. We fucked up. You know when we <laughs> fucked up on Friday? Can I, can I uh, put a, a proposal that we just strike that from the record? Yeah, it's we just don't removed. have it in the house appendix. And any multimedia... Can we just delete that, please? Because we fucked up. We don't want people to know about mm. it. Honestly. It's bad, that, isn't it? It's like Canada has fallen, man. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's frightening. Mm-hmm. The least you could have is the humility to admit that you fucked up. I know, yeah. What's the phrase about Are you learning a- from history, man? Um, learn from history? <laughs> or you're doomed to repeat it? Yeah. Yes, uh, I guess we have to go to the, uh, we'll ask about unanimous consent and go to it. Uh, All those opposed to the Honourable Ministers moving the motion will please say nay. Nay! We don't don't have unanimous consent. Only needs one of them. Fortunately, someone. Yeah. But if you have a uniparty, like they do in the CCP, (laughs) uh, that's that's not getting voted down. No, yeah. That's the the danger here. Mm. Um, 
that went on, that video went on for ages. I cut it there mm. because there was an argument after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the opposition party members um, wanted to comment on the fact that she'd requested a, a unanimous strike of the record. Yeah. And uh, it was obviously very uncomfortable for the speaker. This is, uh, it's not left his post at, the, at that time. Right. But just a fucking shit show, man. Mm. Absolute shit show. Anyway. Anyway, let's move on. You ever wondered if cats like cottage cheese? Yeah. What do you think? I'm going to say, yeah, it's cheese, man. I think cats like cottage cheese. Dairy. All right. In the sea of Bruce likes cottage cheese. Want somebody? Oh. <laughs> I guess oh. not. I mean, it's kind of gone off cheese. Is it like the curd or the whey? Oh, I'm getting nursery rhyme vibes. Yeah. Curds and whey. You have to separate them now. Yeah. What's the whey and what's the curds? This is the whey. Yeah. And that is the curds. I don't know. This is the whey. I'm such a... I'm going to be so shit when society falls. You can't even I, make I, cheese. And I don't even know the difference between curds and whey. Mm. My wife can make uh, butter now. So we can make butter at least. Of what? Insects. Butter out of insects. You make bug butter. We could mash some into them into it, yeah. You have to use less than fifty percent. When you're making your fifty percent bugs. (laughs) Yeah. When you're making your bug butter. We got an email about this before. Um I'll have to try and and pull it on the fly. Oh, swan bug bug cake. This'll be it. I need to try and uh what I'll need to do is try and screen grab this so that we can so that we can watch it together. Okay. Um I don't know if it'll work. Oh, oh right. no. Is this oh. bug cake? Yeah, of course it's bug cake, man. <laughs> it's a, it's with the weff. Is it just packed cake packed with bug protein? Yeah, but you, there's only a certain amount that you're allowed before it becomes inedible. Oh, look at this. I've done it on fly. I hope the audio comes through. All this cake needs is flour, eggs and 20 grams of dead insects. No, you haven't misheard. A team of scientists at Belgium's University of Ghent are trying to find a way to substitute dairy in cakes, cookies and waffles. They say deriving grease from insects is more green than dairy production. Um, They are more sustainable because they use less land. They are more efficient converting feed to weight. Um, yeah, but what do they fucking taste like? Yeah. It's bugs. <laughs> do you remember? You will eat sea bugs. This is making me think about, um, do you know what colour margarine used to be? Yellow, weren't it? No. Oh, before they made it yellow. Grey. Yeah. And nobody had to. <laughs> <laughs> no, so they coloured it yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the bug butter is grey. The, the bugs are grey. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so they'll just put colour in it. <laughs> but it's bug grease, remember? <laughs> it's scrapings Did of she, the bugs. Is that what she called it? Bug grease. You're going to have to wind it back. Scientists at Belgium's University of Ghent are trying to find a way to substitute dairy in cakes, cookies and waffles. They say deriving grease from insects is more green than dairy production. Um, they are more sustainable because they use less land. They Hang are on. more efficient converting feed to... The other thing as well that he's doing there by saying grease 
is he's equating butter to grease. Mm. So that's, you know, butter is fat, isn't it? That's what you churn, you churn it and it's the fat, isn't it, in the in the milk, essentially, that turns to butter. Yeah. Um, but instead of saying, you know, lovely butter, instead of using butter, we, we're making grease out of books. <laughs> but grease has got a, a more of a negative connotation, wouldn't you say? So yeah. I, I it's a deliberate it was, ploy. It's a deliberate ploy from them. They're sabotaging their own book. No, they're the linking butter to grease. All oh, right. Well, I just thought, when I heard that, I just thought of greasing the pan yeah. with butter. Because I cook with butter. It's because you're a filthy Scythian. You right? should be cooking with butter. Don't use oil. It's bad for you. Uh, Drink it. Drink olive oil, mm. like the Romans. But <laughs> don't cook with it. Don't cook for you. You're not I don't think. To, you're not supposed to cook with <coughs> extra virgin olive oil, apparently. Well, first of all, because right. it tastes nice. But, uh, yeah, it does to me. When you cook it, it changes its structure and it... Um, becomes unhealthy, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, butter's never unhealthy. No, in all its forms. Weight, um, they also use less water to produce, and in this case, they are uh, they can be produced within Europe. That will decrease the footprint that other type of uh, food sources um, bring, because they come from far away. Let's say South America or uh, Southeast Asia. By soaking the insects in a little bit of water and oh, then mushing on. them with a kitchen blender. Mash them! <laughs> Do you see them mashing the bugs? With the blender. Are you feeling hungry? Yeah. In a little bit of water and then mushing them with a kitchen blender before centrifuges separate a butter-like substance. <laughs> They're calling this food. A centrifuge separates a butter-like substance. Oh, man. Bad. This is a good thing. This is a good thing, Matt. This is a good thing. This is going to help save the planet. Cow farts. Yeah. You should be happy about your bug butter, your bug grease. <laughs> a grease is made which the team <laughs> used to bake with. But how does it go down outside of the lab? I'll, I'll take a wild guess. Fucking amazing. Yeah. You're going to say it's fucking great. Because Bill Gates sponsored this video. It's just like butter. And he owns half this company. Yeah, I can't believe it's not bug grease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. For me, there's no difference. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, it's, it's actually better. Yeah. <laughs> it's better. Yeah. It's better than butter. I normally get most of my food out of the bin. <laughs> you would eat insect bat cakes again? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. I don't think so. <laughs> yes. Thank you. No. no. <laughs> the team say that consumers mm. can't taste the difference when a cool. <laughs> yeah, like that, that smoothie. Get a bug grease. Uh... So we've gone back to 1920 when they're trying to figure out how to make fucking margarine yellow. <laughs> the how do we make this bug grease yellow? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> The team say that consumers can't taste the difference when a quarter of the milk butter is replaced with the fat from the insects. A quarter? But they no, start to notice can. when it gets... You could swap a quarter of the butter with shit and it still <laughs> tastes like a fucking cake, wouldn't it? <coughs> yep, this is what the findings are. 
Consumers can't taste the difference when a quarter of the milk butter is replaced with the fat from the insects. But they start to notice when it gets to the halfway mark. So who knows? One day you could be munching on a cockroach croissant as you head to the office or making your nearest and dearest a beetle birthday cake. Fuck off. So how many fucking... (laughs) How many mealworms does he need to blend to get that much fat? How much fat is in a mealworm, for fuck's sake? I mean, the good thing is, they only need to replace a quarter of the regular butter. Like, this is going to change the fucking world. I know. Oh, a quarter of your slab of butter will be pulverised mealworms, centrifuged to separate. I mean, it's it's absolute nuts. It's bonkers. (laughs) It's barmy. And they're fucking lapping it up. And getting swabbed off the tits on this shit. Oh, easy bugs. We fucking love it, you know. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Oh, yeah, I think it's better than fucking normal butter. Goodness sake. No. It's just not going to fly with me. No. Um, <laughs> it looked pretty grim, didn't it? For a start. It definitely wasn't yellow when he's... <laughs> It's fucking grey. Pulverised mealworms, man. It's it, not the future. It will be your slop. What was the... Is it on Alien where they just eat the trays of slop? Because it's got... And it's like got all your nutrients in it or something. What pro, what the film oh, is that? What's it's that? fucking the, the most prophetic sci-fi film ever. Demolition Man. Is it Demolition Man? They yeah. eat the, the, the fucking tack, gruel. Taco Bell. And it's paste. No, you can't have salt. <laughs> salt has been illegal. Salt is illegal. You get these little paste of flavours with your no, nutritional there's, content. There's something else as well where it's literally sure. grey. Oh, right. Gruel oh. like that. Oh, <laughs> Not Oliver Twist. <laughs> Please, sir. Can I have some more bug grease? <laughs> <laughs> it tastes too much like real butter, this. Can I have some more bug grease? Can I have 60% bug grease, please? Yeah, honestly, it's aliens. Look, I'm sure it's aliens. I watched it the other week. I don't remember that scene. I remember them eating. I remember them sitting down to eat. Chow time. Yeah, I'm sure they had slop. That's when there's the scene with Bishop with the knife over their hand. Did he not stab himself? He makes a mistake, doesn't he? He cuts himself, and she freaks out because he's a symbiote, not symbiote, synthetic. Yeah, yeah, she's had bad experience with a synthetic. Ash. The weird milk inside. That always used to freak me out. Um, you know why? Why it was that colour? Because of all the jizz. No, it, it was just bug grease. And they didn't have enough money to make it red. Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like real blood. So they just left it grey. Yeah. And sperm like. Mm. Used to freak me out, yeah, the blood. Yeah, especially Bishop. Bishop, you see all his intestines. Yeah. He gets ripped in half by the alien queen. Yeah. Spoiler alert from 1986. Yeah. Was it 86, Aliens? Uh, Mid-80s, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. First one was 79, was it? Late 70s, yeah. Yeah, it was hot on the heels. Maybe it was 84. No, it can't have been 84. It's too too good to be a 1984 film. Well, he did The Abyss. I think he did The Abyss after that. And that was in the 80s as well. Well, I think Spaceballs came out in 86. <laughs> I think 86 was the best year was for movies. The pinnacle. Yeah, I think Spaceballs and Aliens, it's like, yep, 
beat me. Find me a, a year with better movies. Oh, a than, year. I think Top Gun was eighty six as well. So right, okay. I'll leave it to you, eavesdroppers. Think mm. of a year with with uh, better films than nineteen eighty six. Transformers the movie, uh, the animated version was nineteen eighty six. I still listen to that soundtrack. Fucking hair metal, hair metal soundtrack. One shall stand. And one shall fall. What does Megatron say? <laughs> I don't think what I've does, ever watched it. You what know? does Megatron say to Optimus Prime? And he has the best comeback. So good you can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Mm. I know I know. at one point in a crucial part of the battle, he says, I'll rip out your optics. <laughs> like he's going to pull his eyes out. Gouge the eyes. Yeah. I'm going to gouge the eyes. You got the touch. Yeah, great film. Formative to my childhood. Yeah. You've never watched the original Transformers movie. I don't see so you was you couldn't afford Transformers, could you? You never had good toys. Uh no, my mum and dad could definitely afford them. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they just didn't too too busy having holidays. You used to go abroad all the time. Not all the time. You went to like Hungary. No. You went to some Eastern Bloc countries. Did went... you go to Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia? I went to Yugoslavia. <laughs> it didn't even exist. No, but we went. Yeah. And there were definitely some mortar fire in the hills when we went. Holy shit. Was... I remember it being nice. Probably got it for cheap then. Yeah. Um went to Spain, Portugal, I think, as well as a child. In the eighties, um, maybe. Hell's bells. My first foreign holiday was to Germany. In 1991, just after they won the World Cup. Oh, bad timing. And it was a freebie. We just had to play for the high, pay for the high, uh, flights. Oh, right, okay. Because uh, my dad had a mate who worked for BAE in Munich. Did you go and stay in his house? Stayed in their house. He had a company beamer. He took us all around. Oh, wow. Went to Neuschwanstein, the fairy tale castle. Oh. Went to the Eagle's Nest. Wow. Hitler's hideout. In the Alps. That would have been cool. Up the golden elevator. Was your brother creaming his pants? Oh, my brother would have been like 15. I was young, I would say. I was uh, nine, uh, well, nine, eight. Nine. Yeah, eight or nine. Eight or nine, yeah. Mm. And there was a, a big water park. I think it was called Rimini or Trimini. Right, okay. They, they had a massive chessboard with chess pieces the size of a small child. Oh, right, okay. But yeah, uh, that was my first abroad holiday. And then a couple of years later, we went to Spain. Right. And I remember, like, like um, a holiday for four was like 1,500 quid then. Right. Which was a lot more than it was now. What it feels like now with inflation and all that. Wait, it would be, yeah, shit. that'd be ridiculous. I'm sure it was best part of 1,500 quid. Just mm. like fucking sweaty. <laughs> fucking, fucking hell. Because we used to just go to, like, caravan parks in Cornwall and shit like that. Mainly. I went to Blackpool every October, half term. Oh, right, nice. When it was A, B, C, and D rides. Used to get tickets because yeah. he worked for British Rail. Free travel. Well, the free travel. The, the, I don't know if people are aware of this, but as a British Rail employee, you had free uh, travel on trains, unlimited. And roller coasters. And roller coasters. <laughs> And I and family members, as long as you were under the age of sixteen, or I think sixteen and under. So I had a card, and I flashed <coughs> my card, and I could go anywhere in the country for free on British Rail. Wow, that'd be worth a mint today. 
Yeah. Well, they got rid of it. You can't get it oh, anymore. Yeah. My mum my got it uh, for a bit after he died as well. Yeah. He had it like into retirement mm-hmm. and then they took it off her. said, no, that's it now. You've had your lot. Fucking hell. Rotters. But yeah, we used to get, he used to get free tickets for Blackpool Pleasure Beach, you see. Right. And we go there. All there the go. D rides. Not been for donkey's years. Pleasure Beach. I know the guy who put the uh, the Belisha Beacon up on the top of the big one at Blackpool. All right. Uh, firm I served my apprenticeship with. Right. Was involved in the some work there, and he put this this uh, right at the top of the big one where the big dip is. Where the you, you go, you get strapped in. You, there's a big slow climb, and then you go over. Mm. And there's uh, there's like a, a beacon at the top. I guess it's for airplanes, so they don't crash into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he fitted that. Right. It's uh, not a very good story, but no. it is what it is. It is. Yeah, we're going to have to wrap up. Um, yeah. We'll have to save my UAP experience for another time. I wow. saw a UAP yesterday. Yeah. Identified aerial phenomenon. Mm. Um, I'm going to talk to Mark from My th- Family Thinks I'm Crazy on Wednesday. You're gonna, you could show it on there, couldn't you? So I'll probably... Oh, the video's shit. I couldn't even see it on the screen. It was that small when I was videoing it. So mm. the, the, the video's shit, but... I shall be talking. We'll have two hours to discuss on Wednesday night, so I guess we'll cover it mm. in uh, gory detail. <laughs> All right, then. Mm. Shall we... Uh, we, we should wrap up, wrap up the shit show, haven't we? Yeah. We've done uh, the important things. Uh, the Trump-gasms. Yeah. Ah. She's almost here. Um, have you heard of the Black Death? Yeah. What's the Black Death? We're talking about the plague. What's the Black Death? Well, I don't know. It's like you, you're setting me up to fail here. The plague. Bubonic plague? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Oh, we no. The Black Death is the world's sourest candy. Oh. Would you like to see someone sample one? Yeah. This is called Black Death. It is the most sourest candy in the world. Most sourest. Not suitable for anyone under eight years of age. Let's give them a go. This is how they look, guys. That looks so scary. Why does it look like it's made out of glass? That looks scary. Like Coca-Cola bowls. It looks like it's made of glass and concrete. Some concrete. Let's give it a go with some in there. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, yeah? It feels like um like there's like a metal rod. At the back of my throat. Let's give it a go. Just have another one. Why is this? Do you think this is entirely performative? I mean, people would just do anything for clicks, won't they, and views these days. Even, you know, shame themselves on a weekly basis on a Sunday evening. (laughs) Oh, come on now. I mean, I thought we were finishing on a high. 
Oh, sorry. It's been uh, it's been rush job tonight to put it together. But it is what it is. He said it is what it is. Well, it is what it is because he is who he is. That's why it is what it is. So, you know, what can we do? Yeah. It looks like glass and concrete. Yeah, it's made of glass and concrete. Right, we shall be back next week for episode 299. Mm, one week away to the big one. Yeah. Where we hold back. No idea what we're going to do. We're doing a phone in, aren't we? I don't know. We're going to get. We've not even just talked about it. We're going to have a bat phone. Oh, fuck. You need, have to, you get got a, one? You need to get a burner. <laughs> I haven't got one. Oh. To buy a burner sim, put it in the 3210. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Yeah, can do. Do that if you want. Oh, Just yes. use my wife's work phone. <laughs> That'll be fucking. <laughs> oh, God. I'm getting tired. I'm tired, boss. Mm. Oh. Right, we'll see you next week then. Yeah. Probably entertained. Are you not entertained? Let's talk about buttered sausage. See you next week. Mmm. Building back better. You're a big chungus. Based Sigma Chad. What in the world is this? Who's got the biggest cock? Oh, you take it out of it. Literally a communist. We'll be there. Do you care though? We'll be there. PSG. We will be there. We'll be there. I think you're hitting hitting the point, Phil, that, uh, <clears throat> And these guys, I mean, they're having fun now, but my goodness, they've also got a dark side. Anna El Etifaki, see you soon. I was going to put him in, uh, put, put... That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. That's it from us, you're up to date. That's it from us, you're up to date.